Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Yes, this is Elaine miller Karras, and welcome to Resiliency Within. My show today is called Tapping into Nature's Wisdom for Healing, and I am so excited to introduce you to my, to my guest Lindsay Flottenroy in just a moment, but I want to tell you a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. So, uh, you know, so the way I'd like to describe the show is this, like with a practical approach that weaves together Eastern medicine, Western psychology, and African ancestral principles of spirituality, Lindsay Flottenroy teaches you how to use the elements to improve physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Experiences such as, oh my goodness, we all have had this heartache, anxiety. Have any of you procrastinated like I have at times? These can be signs that one of the elements is out of balance within you. And I have to tell you, there have been times that I've definitely been out of balance. So I am so excited about hearing what Lindsay has to say for all of us. Discover how to regain your footing, tap into your latent potential, and find your flow with journal prompts, flower essences, yoga poses, and music. And as many of you know, this show is all about the resiliency within. And I think that Lindsay's work is going to tap into another element or elements, as I guess she says, that will help all of us, I hope, become more confident, energized, and maybe even more fulfilled as a person. So, Um, She has a new book out, and I'm going to say the name more than once because we want everybody to go out and buy it. It's called In Our Element, Using the Five Elements as Soul, Medicine to Unleash Your Personal Power. But I want to say a little bit more about Lindsay. Um, She's a licensed acupuncturist and the founder of The Spirit Seed, a school that offers personal and professional development courses that are rooted in ancestral understandings of health, humanity, nature, and cosmos. Lindsay is a certified instructor for the Natural Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, as well as a facilitator of the Flower Essence Society's Global Practitioner Certification Program. Her approach to soul medicine emerged through over 15 years of clinical practice, doctoral studies of indigenous and African diasporic psychology, and her commitment to community wellness. And as you know, this show and our and the Trauma Resource Institute that sponsors our show very much believe in those kinds of principles. So Lindsay Fontleroy, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And as we start, is there anything on your mind right now as we're getting started? Just feeling really excited and looking forward to all of the things that are going to emerge as we let this stuff bubble up. Okay. Well, you know, Lindsay and I were talking, she's from the New York City area, which I happen to love. I'm in California. So she was, uh, we were sharing, uh, I guess I was sharing some of my stories of being in New York City. And she comes out to uh, California every now and then too. So I always already feel that connection has happened to us. (laughs) And so with saying that, you know, Lindsay, I could tell by our conversation that you are passionate about the work that you're doing and Mm -hmm. getting your doctorate degree. Um, Can you tell us 
a little bit about your life's journey, about what led you to this passion that you are so dedicated to right now that you really espouse in your book? Absolutely. I can start with my own healing journey because that's really how I came to this medicine. I was working in a completely different world, completely different field. I had been in fashion. I had been in video production, wasn't thinking anything about the healing arts. And then it was time for me to start a family. And I learned that I couldn't have children. And I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. That's what they called it then. And I was completely devastated. And just like I I often see in, in my practice, you know, that quote by Rumi, the wound is where the light enters you. So it's those biggest traumas, those biggest heartaches, those most devastating moments of your life that make you kind of sit back and say, okay, what, what am I going to do differently? And so this, that was, that diagnosis was that moment for me. And so as luck or as synchronicity would have it, I was, you know, crying on the couch of my then sister-in-law and she had the flower essence remedies in her cabinet. And so she just listened to me and didn't give me a whole lot of advice, but just held space for me to be in my heartache and then started offering the flower essences. And that was a game changer. So the flower essences really, I would say, were a catalyst on my path for discovering and really leaning into all of the healing arts that I talk about in the book and that I practice in my own life whether it was being in spiritual community and working through prayer and ritual, I discovered yoga, of course, the flower essences, and then acupuncture and learning about my body through the lens of nature and learning about my body as an extension of nature. And so once I really started my own healing process and ended up having a daughter (laughs) and saying, oh, this stuff, it works, you know, (laughs) it really actually works. And then I, I just, you know, I just became really immersed in it. I, you know, I started reading books about acupuncture theory. And then after a couple of years, I realized that if I was going to keep reading acupuncture textbooks, I might as well go to acupuncture school. And so that's, that's really how the journey started for me with my own process, my own healing. And and so it opened up a whole world of new understanding because you talk about the, the Eastern philosophies merging with the West. And so part of your journey has been exactly that. It sounds like. It has. It's been making space for for both, for all, I should say, because there's Eastern medicine, there's Western medicine, there's African spiritual medicine, and all of these things were finding a way to live inside of me for my own healing, and then now are all finding ways to live inside my work in, a, in an integrated way. And I, I guess what's also kind of remarkable is that you do have a jo- daughter, so what started you on the journey and you actually got the gift of her as well through this whole thing. That's right. Yes. She's a daily reminder, you know, and it's not uncommon. Even now, you know, I run into these moments where I'm thinking, how is this going to change? How is this going to be different? My clients, the same thing. How am I going to change my life. Sometimes our life can feel really impossible. And what I love about this medicine is that it is literally the science of change. It is literally the science of working with the idea that everything has the potential to change. And so how do we live into that with intention? Well, so let me ask you some questions about your work. So uh, what exactly is soul medicine? 
So soul medicine, I describe as any medicine that works with moving the life force and moving the energetic field. And this energetic field that lives between our spirituality and our physical body. So in my work, I always tell my clients, whatever your spiritual practice is, is your spiritual practice. Whatever your religious beliefs are, those are your religious beliefs. And whatever you're doing for your physical body is also up to you, your exercise, your sleep, your diet, all of those things. But what we work on with soul medicine is everything in between. So your emotions, your thoughts and your perceptions, those heartaches, that inspiration, that frustration, um, how we're creating space for laughter and relationship and community. Those are all of the things that we're working on when we're talking about soul medicine. So that might be yoga. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. So what? why is soul medicine, do you think, important for these times we're living in right now? Because, you know, the world is a tough place. There's so much divisiveness. There's, you know, you know daily reports of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a very social unrest, very difficult times. So how do you yeah. see this as being important for our times right now? It's important because we need a medicine that is going to allow us to stay connected to each other and to our purpose in the midst of all of the things that we're seeing in the news and in the world. So there's that there's a medicine for that. There, there is a way of thinking about how do I show up for my life in a way that is authentic, that is in alignment? How do I show up for the most important relationships in my life? in a way that helps me to feel nurtured and connected? How do I navigate conflict in a way that helps me to stay true to my beliefs, but also make space for other? And that's what this medicine really supports us with. It's it's a medicine that is going to, and has taken us out of just thinking about health in terms of our bodies and what we look like. So this is really also about our spirit, but it's also about our mind too, isn't it? About I mean, it's about mind, body, and spirit. Am I getting that correctly? Yes, mind, body, and spirit. I I say the way that I think about soul medicine is for stuck emotions, for limiting beliefs, and for supporting us on our path to soul evolution. Oh, I love that, soul evolution. So let me ask you this. You talk about the elements, and many people don't know what that means. Can you describe to us um, the elements and what are the lessons connected to each one? Sure. The way that I think about the elements, and and the first thing that I will say is that when we look into old world, when we look into indigenous psychologies, I know that you uh, talk about this a bit in your work as well as we were discussing before, that all of the old world psychologies were connected to nature. And so this is really bringing this idea forward in terms of looking at the seasons and the cycles of nature as reflected in our psyche. And so in this system, which is one of many element systems, uh, this one originates in East Asia. And the five elements are water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And so if I may, I can take us through a little visual. Would you? I would love to do that because I'm going, okay, now how does that fit into my life now, right now? Because we want to make it practical for understanding as our listeners are going, okay, I can see there's five elements, but now what? <laughs> but yeah. now what do I do yeah, with that? And now what, what I, I do love. with that? 
it has to be practical. It has to make sense. It has to work. And so as we think about the, the cycles and seasons of a plant, it gives us insight into how those things are showing up in our lives. So we think about the water element. We think about a seed. And what is a seed? It's deep in the soil. It's hidden. It's underground. And so we look at working with the water element when there is a part of ourself that is trying to go deep within, when it is time for us to be introspective, and also when it's time for us to trust the unknown. And so what does that show up on a practical level when we have doubt, when we have fear, when we have uncertainty, then the tools that speak to the water element help us remember how to connect to the source. Then we move from the seed into a sprout. A sprout comes up through the soil and it's moving towards the sunlight. And so when we call on the wood element in this system, we're looking at how do I go about self-actualization? What is my gift? What is my purpose? And how do I move into that gift and purpose without the need for external validation, without asking for permission? How do I have the right boundaries so that I can bring my best self out into the world? And what do I do with the anger that comes up when that is blocked? So that's the wood element. Then we come from a sprout in the plant world to a blossoming flower. And a flower is beautiful and it brings joy. And so we call on the fire element whenever we want to re-spark that, that joy, that wonder, that joie de vivre, that exuberance of life, that vitality. And also we bring the fire element in when we're working on relationships. So if there's something in us that is feeling blocked or closed or distrust, then we look at the fire element to help open the way for, for love and connection and, and really to shine in the world. So we've gone from a seed to a sprout in the wood element to a flower blossom in the fire element to the earth season. And the earth season is when the fruits and the harvest come. And so the earth element teaches us how to be in community as a human family how to be in community with the natural world, and also how to nurture and take care of ourselves and one another. So that's what we learn when we turn to the earth element, how to take care of ourselves and each other in a very um, integrated way, interdependent way, interconnected way. And then last but not least, we come to the metal element, which is often associated with the fall season. And that's when things start to compost and the leaves fall off the trees and that apple hits the ground and it starts to rot and go back into the underworld, right? Which in psychology, we often refer to as a type of death. And so the metal element teaches us how to shed the things that no longer serve us and how to surrender and allow things to return to the essence. So there's a letting go, but there's also this the sacredness of being in the present moment. Um, the metal element teaches us how to work through grief. How do we let go and still stay present to the magic that still exists? And then well, that cycle yes. continues. Well, it sounds like so that the elements that we can use as metaphors for our life journey. That's, that's right. Yeah, so then, and each, and each part, each element has challenges. And I was thinking about like wood, for example. If you have an idea and people are saying, oh, but that's a stupid idea. Why would anybody want to do that? Then you can get blocked from a potential that could be very helpful to yourself and to others by the naysayers. 
So how do you say, no, this could be something that maybe could even change the world? Because I think about entrepreneurial spirits, for example. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of social entrepreneurs where people said, oh, that could never happen. And yet it can. But there's obstacles in the way that you have to work through. So with the elements, you help people see the different ways that they can journey through the blocks that can happen. Do, do I, did right. I get that right? Did I get that That's right? That's exactly right. All they, right. Element has its blocks. Each element has its emotional patterns that get stuck. And then each element has its gift. So just as you mentioned, the gift that we learn when we harmonize this wood element through the different tools, whether it's yoga or flower essences or music, what we learn is that independent free spirit. We learn that that entrepreneurial spirit. That's one of the gifts that we we get when we tap into the wood element and find balance there. Well, and also as you were talking about metal transformation and death, because transformation um, is not necessarily a bad thing. It can right. transform our lives in ways that are that again can give us greater a greater sense of purpose and meaning and lead us into another aspect of life. And I'm just kind of thinking when, you know, when you were describing your journey that you were in fashion and then you had this, you know, really suffering life moment thinking, oh my goodness, I might not be able to have children. Mm-hmm. And then you transformed that life into this life. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing the, uh, I'm seeing your life in what you're doing in the world. Absolutely. There's a quote by Lao Tzu, which is, which is a Chinese philosopher. He says, when I let go of who I am, I become who I might be. And that is such a signature quote for the metal element. And even that phase for my own life, I had to let go of this image that I had of who I was and what I was supposed to be doing and really surrender to, I like to say, what life wanted from me instead of what I wanted for my life. So let me ask you this now, because I'm, th- I'm sure there's people listening that are going, what in the heck is she talking about flower essences? What does that mean? And there's flower essence therapy. Well, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it sounds like that was a very important part of your journey. And yet I know there's probably many people that don't know what that is. So, <laughs> so educate us, Lindsay, about this. That is a great question. I'm happy to. So many people are familiar with essential oils, but you can buy pretty easily and they have a wonderful scent and what flower essences are is that they're similar to essential oils but they're not the same thing and so flower essences are plant remedies that we can take internally to help us move through stuck emotions limiting beliefs and our path towards soul evolution as I mentioned before so in the U.S. they are regulated as a food which means that you can Again, get them in health food stores. You can get them online. They're very easily accessible and they're really safe to work with. So they are little tinctures that you just take a few drops under your tongue based on whatever symptom, emotional symptom, limiting beliefs that you're trying to work through. And they become a way to connect with some of the the higher truths that nature has to offer for us. And so what is flower essence therapy then? What do you do if you're a flower essence therapist? So I train flower essence therapists. And one of the first things that I say in class is that any and everyone can and should work with flower essences. I believe that any person, no matter who you are, even my daughter, who's a teenager, 
can have your flower essences that you use to move through the little hiccups that we have. I call them soul hiccups, the anxiety, the fears, the uncertainty. And then a flower essence practitioner is someone who is holding space through an archetypal journey. So for example, they, the example that I gave earlier, having a crisis moment and now learning a new way of being in the world and discovering a new part of myself when you're working with flower essence therapy, there's a practitioner who is trained to support you in using a, a variety of flower essences as well as other practices to help you navigate that challenging time and come out on the other side more fully yourself, more authentically yourself. And so we use flower essence therapy for many of the things that we might see a traditional therapist for. And it's not an either or thing. You can work with both. Um, but it's a way of learning how to navigate your life and your life circumstances. Well, I know that many vitamins and many medicines are based on organic, you know, plants and flowers. So is That's that right. similar to that or is this different? It's similar and different. So it's similar in the sense that we're using plant medicine and the intelligence of nature. The way that I look at the difference between um, pharmaceutical medicines and supplements versus flower essences, I think of them as a continuum. And so when we're looking at supplements, um, herbal supplements or nutritional supplements or food, we're looking at the physical body of a, of a plant. And that's going to do it for you. So, for example, if you're doing hormone therapy, you're taking a particular hormone and it's actually doing that function in your body or a neurotransmitter if you're working with an antidepressant. So that's the physical body. If you're working with an herb, an herb is going to teach your body how to do whatever it is that is, is missing or lacking. So what does it mean? It takes a little bit longer. Um, it's about finding the right herbal medicine and, and that sort of thing. When we get to flower essences, we're talking about the insight and the inspiration to make a change in our life. Now, and is so this something that if you were, um, um, let's say you're taking some kind of medication that you should talk to your doctor to make sure there's no contraindications between other medications or herbs that you may be using in flower essences? I would say I always recommend that my clients talk to their physician, their primary care physician before beginning any kind of exercise, dietary or supplement regimen. It's just good practice to have those those check ins. And at the same time, because they are regulated as a food, flower essences are something that you can work with pretty easily on your own. All right. And so I also want to ask you another question, and that is, what types of symptoms and mental health conditions are, are um, flower essences used for? There are literally hundreds of flower essences, and they each do something very specific and unique. But some of the ones that I use most often and the ones that I talk about in the book are the ones that I, I see the most often that show up in the majority of my clients. So things like heartache. If you go through a breakup or someone, person or pet um, passes away and transitions and you're feeling your heart pouring out, flower essences are great for that. 
They are great for seasonal um, or transitional moods. So if there's sadness, if there's grief, if there's even a, a little bit of a hint of depression that's a little bit persistent, there are flower essences for that. Anxiety is another big area where uh, my clients and, and myself turn to flower essences. So those are some of the emotional spectrum. And then on the other end, if you have a goal or something that you're trying to realize, you need to step into more confidence. You want your voice to be heard or you need more clear boundaries. These are just some of the things that flower essences are really supportive of. So how does someone find a certified flower essence therapist? I know that you're, you're certified as this. So how, do you, yes. how does a person do that? So uh, it's really easy to do. You can look on my website, The Spirit Seed. We have certified practitioners that have trained in our certification program, as well as uh, I would I would call them um, some of the older in- research institutions for flower essence therapy, including the Flower Essence Society and the Box Center. Both have really um, in-depth certification programs. And on their sites, you can find links to practitioners that are practicing and in the field. Well, this is so uh, fascinating to me, Lindsay, and we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue this conversation. And I want to also talk a little bit about um, what you describe as as neo-ancient and what that means in terms of how we create community. And also, I'm sure a lot of people are interested in the soul medicine for money and honey, which (laughs) we're going to talk more about when we come back. So, um, listeners, we will be back in just a few minutes, um, and we'll have a short message from our sponsor, and we will continue this very interesting conversation. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. 
If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine Miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I am with Lindsay. Bontleroy and her wonderful new book just recently came out. It's called In Our Element, Using the Five Elements as Soul Medicine to Unleash Your Personal Power. I love the name of your book, by the way. Um, Thank you so, we so have been much. Talking, we're, we've been talking about the five elements, and we're going to move into another um, aspect of what she talks about, which um, you describe it as um, neo-ancient. It's a way to build community. So can you tell us a little bit about that? When I was writing the book... One of the questions that came up as I was writing was, who am I writing this book for? And so there were so many options. I could be writing it for an academic community. I could be writing it for a medical community. And then I realized, I'm like, no, this book is for my patients, my family, my friends, all of us who are out here trying to figure it out. And like you said, there's so much going on in the world that is an assault on our our soul and our sensitivity. And so when I think of neo-ancient, I think of anyone who is looking to the past and some of the medicines that come out of the old world, but bringing it forward in a new way. So for some of us, that means we're, we're practicing yoga. For some of us, that's mindfulness meditation or essential oils. Um, all of these healing systems that come out of indigenous cultures, um, and many of those cultures are either don't exist anymore or exist in, in new ways. And so it's a way of honoring and saying, okay, I'm going to use this practice um, that comes out of another time of history, but I'm going to bring it forward into my modern life. And the example that I give in the book is that, you know, I'm very connected to nature. I love nature, but I'm not going to give up my electricity, for example. I'm not going to give up some of the comforts of modern society. But as a neo-ancient, there's a yes and, there's space for both. And so what I consider this neo-ancient community is a community of folks that in our own way, we're using these medicines, we're remembering these this wisdom that comes from our ancestral lineages, and we're using that wisdom as we step forward into whatever our life has designed for us in 2022, 2023, and onward. Well, you know, I often think about that, you know, as an old trauma therapist and a mental health provider, is that there's so many practices that I've seen as I've traveled around the world that have been the neo-ancient, as you say. Um, but they have been because people have observed human behavior. 
for thousands of years and have said, oh, when we do this, this is helpful. Um, And so I often think about, because I've seen um, aspects of drumming in Mm -hmm. almost every continent that I've been to, where there is some point, uh, there's some um, instrument for drumming and sound and rhythm that is healing for people. And so if we go back to some of those kinds of practices, as well as I love your your, your analogy, I'm not giving up my electricity, (laughs) you know, but I think that they doesn't have to be an either or. It can be an and. And I think that we've seen with many indigenous populations around the world that when there has also been a uh, re-engagement with traditional practices, that it's very healing for the ills of today. That's right. And I love what you said because, you know, modern psychology as we know it, modern medicine, conventional medicine as we know it now, the biomedical model is really only five, six hundred years old. But humans have been trying to figure out how to be better humans from the beginning of time. And so there are all these practices and lineages and ways of thinking about healing on a physical level, but also on a spiritual or emotional level that we can draw from that are really relevant right now as we try to figure out a path forward. And I think that when we think about some of the sorrows that we're seeing every single day, that having those kinds of practices integrated to other, maybe going to a mental health provider, for example, together can, can really bring about, I think, a, what we say with the mind-body-spirit healing that we're That's both right. talking about today. So let's move into, if it's okay to move into money and honey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they do rhyme. They rhyme. <laughs> so, okay, Lindsay, what does that mean? What does money and honey mean? So money and honey, usually when I'm meeting someone and I tell them that I do integrative therapy and they're like, well, why would I, why would I do that? And what I always say, it's money and honey. Those are the two things that bring people into my practice more than anything else. And so money is not just financial abundance. It, of course, includes that. But money is really thinking about um, thinking about money as currency and thinking about more of a gift economy. What am I here in the world to do? What is my purpose? What is the gift that I offer society, community, humanity? And then the abundance that comes from living on purpose is what we're talking about with money. So that aspect is what brings people in, whether they're feeling like they have a business they want to launch or they have a creative uh, inspiration that they can't quite make space for, or even sometimes they have a job where they just feel like this isn't this isn't me. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. That sense of emptiness or frustration. That's one thing that brings people into my practice. And then honey is relationships. You know, we are a human family. We are meant to be connected to one another. We are social beings. And so the honey is for any relationship, whether it's you know, romantic relationships or my relationship as a parent, my relationship with my colleagues and my coworkers, my relationship with my spiritual source or my spirituality, all of those types of relationships are what bring people into to my practice. And as I've been thinking about it, oftentimes that's that's where the as we were talking about before, where the wound is, where there's a place for us to transform and become new again. And so money and honey is what what brings people in. And that's often what we're working on. Well, and I think, you know, when I think about, um, I, I have been very lucky to go to Oxford University before the pandemic to the Skoll World Forum. 
and there um, leaders that come there. And I, I, what I'm thinking about is the the singer Bono, who is who's Irish, and that you know he has formed foundations where he's doing such good work in the world, and he's made a ton of money from his the life force of being an incredible musician. But you know, but I think that kind of I'm going to say money and honey together. That in order to sometimes be our best self, and I hear I'm, I'm thinking about when I heard him speak, is that he now does this amazing philanthropic work and has his children involved with it. His his wife is a leader in it. That um, that's how we can take the money that we are sometimes so fortunate to get and use it for more than the self, but that's for. Right our world community, which is, you know, that's greatly needed, including like the Bill Gates Foundation, for example. Um, They do so much incredible work um, in terms of just the HIV um, crisis around the world and how, you know, how to to mitigate the impact of that. So when we start seeing this as, I think as we start seeing ourselves as part of also this amazing whole, Mm-hmm. That it also, it's yes, it's about the individual, but it, it's about the family and community. And that's what I, I love the way that you describe the terms that you're bringing forward in your book. Because I think if we all look at that in a way that has to do with something that is more overarching mm-hmm. than the individual, but that we're part of that. And of course, we make an individual impact where it's all interconnected. How might the world be different? That's right. And sometimes it's counterintuitive. You know, the, the metaphor that I use is that of a huge cosmic spider web and that we each are one little thread in that cosmic spider web. And that's our role. And as we step fully into that role, as it is connected with the other threads in the web, then the web is also going to support us in holding our and holding our place. And so it is sometimes counterintuitive when I'm doing this type of um, integrative therapy and, and someone say coming in because they, they need to make more money. And the question comes back around to how are you of service? What are your gifts? How do you contribute your gifts? It's a, it's a new way and an old way of thinking about money as currency. Well, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned, which I would love to talk a little bit more about is you brought in the image of the spider web and in your book, you have images and figurines and I'm just wondering what inspired you to create that. I certainly just heard about the web, which I love that image, but there's others. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So having been an acupuncturist for a number of years and most of my work being in black and brown communities, when I would show uh, my clients images of the meridians, they weren't seeing themselves. And so when I started to get the ideas for the book, I started thinking about the women that come into my practice, the women in my family, the women in my community. And I wanted the the images in the book to represent a wide spectrum of identity. And so using different hairstyles, different features, different body types as a way to show that this medicine is not just for one mold. It's for all of us and that we all belong to it and it belongs to all of us. And so that was really the inspiration and and getting really creative and and sitting down with the, the illustrator. Her name is Hollis. And having a great conversation around, 
you know, this woman it has her hair like in this particular way and she's wearing big hoop earrings and she has her nails done. And that's one way that wellness shows up. And there's another woman that looks kind of like my aunt. And and so really bringing in to show that this medicine is is vibrant and alive and it is reflected in all sizes and shapes and colors of the human family. Well, and I think that when we talk about images, especially, you know, here in your first, you said you were into fashion, um, is that the full-bodied woman is often left out. I, you right. see You see images coming back in and also, of course, you know, people of color. And so to see your image in something also makes, I think there's a, what, what, what would I, I call the world? I think there's a self-acceptance. Oh, there are other people like me. That looks mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. Oh my good, that is me. I could, I could do this too. But if we only have a certain way, if we only have representatives of, let's say, white Caucasian females that are thin, then what is that also saying about anybody else who's different? That's right, and it's it's interesting because when I first started my acupuncture practice. I had lots of women of uh, lots of images of my family getting acupuncture because they were literally the only ones that would let me give them acupuncture at the time. And so I remember someone called and asked if I if I treated white women because they didn't see themselves reflected on the website. And that was a huge that was like a lightning bolt for me because I realized that the same thing happens for people of color like myself when we're looking at the wellness industry and we don't see ourselves represented. And that was almost 20, 15, 20 years ago. So I do think things are changing in terms of representation. And I really wanted my images to be in the right um, wave of that conversation and, and pushing that conversation forward in terms of what does wellness look like? Well, it looks like all of us. And, and I, I think that, you know, I, I often talk about how do we create opportunities to remind us of our common humanity? Because right. I think it's so much that happens in the world, it, you know, it's, it's to separate us. And, I, and that doesn't mean that we don't appreciate our differences and, and our lived experience. But then how do we come together as a people so that right. we can go forward together embracing each other? That's right. um, and maybe that sounds, you know, a little like, oh, Elaine, you're living in another fairyland world. But I, <laughs> I do think that I do think it's, it is possible. And, and, and we that very also- perspective that you're, you're bringing forth today. It's not only possible, it's necessary because we know what happens when we don't. Yeah. When we don't respect our, our shared humanity, we know that cultures disappear. We know that there's war. We know that there's trauma that happens when we don't honor the essential dignity of everyone's humanity. Well, and I think we're seeing that in many places in the world. I've been working a lot with Ukrainians and seeing that. Um, and even, you know, they said, Elaine, please, if you're going to do this, these support meetings for us, will you please have Ukrainian translators that even wow. though many of them speak Russian, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of Russian is their colonists, right? That said, right. you know, stop speaking Ukrainian and speak Russian. And that wow. it's coming out in that way of that patriotism of claiming their language back. That's and right. I think that we've seen that with many indigenous populations, too, that are That's trying right. to save the language when there may only be a handful of people left that know their language. That's right. So it's so important, I think, what we're talking about, because it's about respecting history and, and not only historical wisdom, but also the historical trauma that's happened. Mm-hmm. you know, around the world. And, and that kind of you now that brings me into the, the next topics that I want to talk to you about. And part of that is about, you know, what else is true? And that is music. 
And so can we talk a little bit about the music and how it's connected to the elements? Absolutely. I I love what you said earlier, actually, about going around the world and the, the drumming ceremonies, right? So we know that music is such an essential part of humanity that the way that music has been used over time, whether it's been used as a way to communicate, we think about talking drums, we have these examples that come out of um, Greek medicine, where in the temples, they would use certain sounds to see which deity to evoke for healing. So music has been a force of healing since, I would say, since time began. And so my book puts a bit of a modern twist on that. Because as I'm learning the elements, as I was learning the elements and embodying the elements, they really live in our emotional body. They really live in our felt sense. They're really a somatic wisdom, right? It's it's yes. an intuitive wisdom that is not so much doesn't it doesn't always have words. It's it's not necessarily a logical um, medicine. And so it lives in our body and it lives in a pulse and it lives in vibration. And so as I was thinking about the elements and how I wanted to share them, I started thinking, well, there are certain songs that evoke that vibration, that evoke that feeling. There are songs that give me energy. There are songs that make me want to cry, even if I don't have anything sad happening in my life. There are songs that make me feel that that joy and vitality. And so as I was uh, creating the book and writing the book, I started making these playlists, these soundtracks of songs that helped me get into the vibe and the vibration of each of the elements as I was writing about them and talking about them. And then I thought, well, maybe I should share these lists in the book. <laughs> and good so idea, good idea. That's what happened. So the book has a cross section of songs from different genres. Um, I did grow up on, you know, 80s and 90s, you know, rock, hip hop and R&B. So there is a little bit of a bias towards that music. But I'm hoping that the music is a springboard. In fact, one of the things that we do in the, in the classes that I teach is that each of the students, as we're learning about a particular element, they, they all go make their own playlist. They all go make their own soundtrack and collage of what this element feels like for them. And then we come back and share it. And we get to see that okay, this fire element is archetypal. We all have access to the sun and flower blossoms and the feeling of joy. And that looks different in different communities. That looks different in each of our lives. And so as we share that together, we learn from each other. And that's really, I think the music really brings that forward that you could have songs from 30, 40 years apart, different genres, but yet there's this archetypal through line that reminds us of the essential nature of, of humanity. Well, and as you say that, I'm reminded I had a, I have, I had a friend, she recently died, but she had the last few years of her life, she had dementia. And so she didn't know who I was any longer, but I went to see her and I hadn't seen her in a while because of the pandemic. And um, I went to visit her in her nursing home. And she actually knew Henry Mancini, and she would talk about him every now and then and how much she appreciated him as a person. Um, but so I, I had my, my phone with me, and I, 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 I took out my phone, and I started playing um, uh, the sound, the, 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 from Breakfast in Tiffany's. There mm. was the soundtrack that was written by him. 
And I just started playing it on my phone. And she, you know, she was, you could kind of see there was a, ch- a shift in her eyes. And we know that with dementia, you, and you don't lose that appreciation for music. It's so somatic. Wow. And you just yes. saw her brighten up. She still didn't speak, but there was this moment that I felt of connection yes. again with her that came to the music. And I think when, you, and I'm hearing you talk about the elements and how important that is. So even with people that are beloved to us that we think, oh, I don't know if I can communicate in any way. And then when I played Moon River, you could just see that little spark come over her. So oh, I'm, sharing, I'm sharing that as a reminder of, you know, we're not only talking about people that, let's say, are fully present in terms of their mentation. That's but right. That they're, they're beloved to us. And maybe for whatever life reasons, it's, you know, some of that has been taken away. But music is right. with us. It's in our hearts and our soul. Um, and it's in our that, nervous system. It's in our nervous system, which is what we often talk about the nervous system on the show. So, so thank you for that, uh, Lindsay. It's just that's insp- inspire me to think of this dear friend. But the next thing I want to make sure we have time to cover is you're getting your PhD. You're going to become Dr. Lindsay soon. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yes. As you come out to Pacifica in the, in the California, which I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to probably drive out and meet you one day. That would um, be so great. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, your studies are in black and indige- indigenous psychologies. Right. So tell us about why you decided to study this. What are you learning? What would you like to share with our listeners about your um, journey in studying this topic um, in university? I'm really excited and fascinated by and curious about the way these medicines are talking to one another. And so depth psychology has its particular tradition of working with symbols, working with metaphor, working with somatics and going into the nervous system and into the memories and the ideas and the traumas and the hopes that are not quite yet conscious. And indigenous medicine has that same, uh, that same seeking. And so I'm really interested in how, A, how do we preserve and learn from the indigenous medicines that come out of the diaspora? How do we bring that into modern therapy models? And how do we find this place of integration of different modalities, maybe even sometimes different systems of healing, but they're all getting to this question of the human soul. What are we here to do? Why are we here to do it? And who are we here to do it with? And then what gets in the way? And so I'm really interested in how that question has been answered throughout time. Um, interested in my ancestral traditions as a Black woman and, and maybe what was lost in terms of um, traditional healing methods. And then also what I can learn from the modern medical models. And how do we fill this gap of that aspect of the human experience that we're not quite touching um, as fully and completely as we could to facilitate healing. And so that's what my studies are about, looking at specifically depth psychology in the Western model and where that intersects with traditional methods such as flower essence therapy, the use of symbol and metaphor, mythology, which is what my my first uh, graduate degree was in, where all of these things live together in the human psyche. Well, and I think as I'm hearing you talking about that too, it's, I often think that... Um, 
that the soul's journey is about finding meaning and purpose. That's right. And, and how does that unfold as we learn the different things that we have? And there's so many, you know, mythical stories about, you know, how we travel through these obstacles. And even That's though right. they may be from ancient times, they're very pertinent to today's world. You know, I often think about Elpis, uh, also known as Pandora. And mm-hmm. she had a jar and she let all out. She opened her curiosity, opened all the ills in the world. But the bottom of the jar was hope. So, and when we talk about transformation and we talk about the obstacles and the elements, it seems like hope is so embedded in what you're talking about. The hope of how we can all come to that, you know, essence of who we are as people. The essence. That, yeah. The essence, the flower essence and the essence of, of, of humanity. That's oh, right. <laughs> Lizzie, we're almost done with our time together. So any parting thought that you can do in a minute or so about what you want to leave with our listeners? I mean, we've talked about so many beautiful things. Well, one thing that's coming to my heart is there's a, a saying that we have at the Spirit Seed, which is a, the educational institution. So I would love to share that. I think it speaks well, to a please, lot of what we've been up do. to. Please do. So what, one of the things that our commitment is, we say, we pledge allegiance to the earth for soul awakening and remembering as part of humanity in which we stand, one heart, spirit embodied, interconnected with liberation and justice for all. Oh, well, I got some, I think some tears in my eyes as you were saying that, because that is the sweetest thing ever. And it has so much soul purpose as you say that. And I'm going to ask you to send that to me so I can have it on my, on my desk. Absolutely. Um, So I want to say one more time, please go out. I think you, there's many reasons that you've heard about, please go out and buy her wonderful book. And I'm just going to say what it is in our element, using the five elements as soul medicine to unleash your personal power. And I'm sure you can get it in Amazon. And also, isn't there, the audio's coming out, isn't that true? The audio book came out on October 25th. So if you're like me and like to listen to books while you're reading, I mean, while you're driving and <laughs> also while you're reading, but while you're doing other things, the audiobook is now out. Well, Lindsay, I think that we need this kind of soul wisdom, soul medicine. And I just wish you the greatest luck in your endeavors and knowing that you're getting your doctorate. I think we're just beginning to hear from you. I know there's going to be more in the future. So I just want to remind my guests to remember what else is true. I think we've heard a lot about a journey, a journey that had a bit of suffering in it. And that from that suffering, such a beautiful, I'm going to say more than a seedling, you've got a big old oak tree out there now, has come (laughs) forth. And I know that many of you struggle in today's world. So remember in your life, try to find those ways to, to anchor what else may be true in your life right now. And remember the hope and um, remember what helps you get through the hardest of times. And this is Elaine Miller-Karis signing, signing out for Resiliency Within. And we will see you next week. Same time, same station. Thank you, Voice America. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karis, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within 
with host Elaine Miller-Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.